Hello and welcome to the first episode of Proof Interviews. I am your host, Mark Hallstone. This is an interview podcast created by Proof Magazine, looking to uncover the human condition one person at a time. All right. <clears throat> On to our first interviewee. We are interviewing noted street artist from Boca Raton who only goes by the initials JL. So without further ado, let's get into the interview with JL. Um, it's nice to meet you. I, thank you for meeting me, Mr. L. I know you're a very busy person. You know, you have to get out at certain hours of the day as to not be confronted by local authorities for your work. Well, you know, it's uh, it's it's uh, something that I take into consideration. My time is often uh, something that I think about. I'm very, very cautious about the usage of my time. As you said, the, the local authorities that I encounter, they're often quite pesky. Um, they're not fans of my work and some of the messaging behind them, as it's often an anti-authoritarian type of leaning. Right, right. Um, my my question, I, I suppose my first question would be, how, how did you get your start in this? What was your inspiration behind this? What sort of prompted you to become a street artist instead of going the normal route of sort of like an art school or something along those lines? Well, uh, ever since I was a child, I, I've always been passionate about uh, the creation of art. Uh, but not in sort of the traditional manner as um, my mother, when I was growing up, I grew up in uh, Coral City, um, which is sort of a small uh, outskirt of Miami. When I was growing up there, my mother gave me an anatomy textbook as, you know, when I was five years old. And it wasn't something that I was thinking about as a method of uh, becoming a doctor, becoming interested in the sciences, but I was fascinated by the descriptions, sort of, um, and the drawings that were present in this specific anatomy textbook, you know, drawings of skeletons, of muscle fibers, of joints and bones and nervous systems and things along that sort. Um, it really appealed to me in sort of a visual manner, uh, and that sort of inspired my early works, if you could call them that. I mean, when I say early works, I really mean I was I was seven, eight years old, and I, I got crayons. And I, I wanted the world to sort of be my canvas, so I didn't draw traditionally on paper. Uh, so I started using crayons to scribble on sort of the walls of... Uh, my mother and I's apartment, and we just—I'd sort of draw my uh, inscriptions inspired by that. Um, I, I took—that I, was basically my primary inspiration as a child. That—that's—that's that's actually quite interesting, because when you speak to these other artists, um, as I have uh, for my work as a journalist, you know, I won—I won the Pulitzer Prize for my uh, work examining the life of uh, Jean Michael Basquiat. But when when you're talking to a lot of these artists, they will say that often it was a teacher or a peer, um, and they take inspiration from sort of the landscape drawings 
or something or the painters of the past, but you're different in, in that you really looked at it from like an anatomical point of view for the subjects of your paintings to begin with, correct? Right? Uh, yeah, uh, you could say that. I was, I was also. I mean, not to say that I wasn't looking at some of the painters of the past. I was very into uh, French Impressionist paintings, um, and I took inspiration from some of those works as well. Uh, but really, the anatomical drawings was what primarily shifted my artistic focus. Uh, my mother hated me at the time because you'd come home and these white walls were filled with these sort of crayon um drawings my my landscapes or sort of sort of something of the sort but i i did i did sort of enjoy it gave me a thrill of drawing on something of making canvas out of something that was forbidden in a sense it was something that you know my mother didn't want the landlord didn't want and it was it was quite the thrill as you know something like an adolescent as a young adolescent in my time uh, and that furthered into uh, sort of my schooling and <laughs> in my school and you know sort of I, I'd go to I'd go to these sort of washrooms and I'd, I'd bring my paint and spray paint and I'd start spray painting my drawings you know I'd, I'd come to school very early in the morning I just remember this <laughs> coming with a mask and bottles of spray paint and going to the bathrooms and painting all over these walls and these sort of cryptic insignias and these sort of anatomical inspirations meshed with some of this impressionist I'd got. I was, I was also a fan of some of the early precisionist movements. So there'd sort of be, you'd have an anatomical descriptions. It'd be something like a skeleton or the nervous system. And the nervous system would expand into like a town or a train as was very common with sort of these precisionist things. And that was mostly what I was doing at school until eventually I was, I was discovered <laughs> at the time uh, fr a friend of mine walked in on me and, you know, he wasn't, he, he had some sort of moral system or whatever. And he was sitting there and he came in and he reported me. And so I, I had to spend my, my summers and some of my vacations scrubbing down these sort of works I dedicated hours to. And it was, it was really something that was upsetting to me, just destroying my own artwork in a sense. So, I, I mean, that, that's, that's a question that you can lead into because... I mean, you're a street artist. You primarily work with graffiti in case um, people aren't familiar with your works. I mean, I don't know who's not familiar with your works. I mean, you've been called um, in one Spin Magazine article headline I'm reading. You've been called the Banksy of Florida of, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe of the eastern half of the United States. I don't know if there's a Banksy in the Midwest or anything but like that, but it, it depends. Anyway, you've been sort of called this and... There is there is an aura of like um, it's there's not a permanence to your pieces as as you've as you mentioned that you know they're sort of scrubbed by the the local authorities and it's there's there's nothing staying there so how how do you deal with the lack of uh, permanence with your work um, how how do you how do you cope with that or is that something that you think oh it should only be here for one one second. 
Well, uh, first, firstly, I, I don't know what journalist school you went to, but that's quite a long-winded question. With uh, my bad, my mistake. Well, now, now you're doing this again. You're interrupting me as I'm giving my. I'm, 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 I'm deeply sorry. No, L listen, listen. <laughs> when I'm speaking, do not interrupt me. Okay, and anyway, that I'm just, I'm just playing with you. But the that <laughs> was quite a long-winded question. But to to get to to get to the original point, the permanence is is something that I I reflect on because you know if you have a traditional sculptor, if you have a traditional painter or whatnot, they have they have something that's there. It's physical mine it's it's completely degraded by a lot of the um authorities the only memories i have is i when i almost like a thief in the night i put on my black baggy clothing and go out with my spray painting cans and a uh nikon camera and once i'm done constructing my work I, I take a picture of it um and the and then i post the picture online or some other person will see it before, you know, the local township gets together and <laughs> what's the township and the, the mayor will say, how dare you desecrate this, this, uh, this building, this convenience store building as it as if adding color and adding expression to a building is some harm to society or at all. But, and then eventually they have to get to the cleaning crews, you know, so they, they don't see me. They, <laughs> I don't see me, but sometimes I will blend into the crowd because there's often a crowd as these, um, as as my work is getting torn down, you know, they're bleaching it and scrubbing all the paint off and people gather to see the work and they're all sitting there and they're protesting and they're very sad. But yeah, um, I, <laughs> uh, but anyway, the, I, I sort of, I don't think of my, I feel like my work having the lack of permanence and having this sort of aura of, you know, um, of, of like death, you know, it's almost my work dies uh, and people only get to see it for a temporary amount of time. I feel like it makes it more exciting um, as, you know, back to the story of me scrubbing down these, my works in the bathroom. I mean, people would come and see them. They would know before they were scrubbed down. And I, I felt like that really engaged with people artistically. You know, it's almost a symbolic of, you know, life in general. You see something for a moment and it's gone. So I really wanted to take that and put that in a sort of an artistic standpoint. So that, that's another thing that um, should we I haven't addressed is the an anonymity. Um, you know, here <laughs> I'm very thankful for you providing your voice for this or anything, but you're you're not known um, what's the reason for the anonymity and the careful, um, and you know, the cautiousness with your uh, privacy? Um, well, I, I, I never really liked artists becoming. <laughs> oh, you could you could take that out of contest. Headline: uh, Noted noted uh, street artist JL says he hates artists. <laughs> but no, I've I've never really been a fan of artistic sort of superstars. Um, where you'll have people and they'll show up at their art galleries and they'll say, oh man, oh, that's him, that's him. He's the artistic superstar, you know, and they they know him. And then you start to become commercialized. And that's the last thing you want as an artist to become commercialized in this sort of growing landscape. 
you know, something that's not really addressed with the art industry and fine art in general is when you see some of these auction prices and you'll say, oh, someone paid $50 million for this one piece of art. What they don't tell you is that's mostly a, most likely a money laundering scam um, where they're sort of trying to clean a lot of this money. And I don't really want to be a part of that in any sense. That's why I sort of live as almost a vagabond in terms of my lifestyle. Um, and in a sense, I'm kind of glad that the city <laughs> decides to tear down and destroy of uh, the art I've created, because what happens with with someone like Banksy is he'll they'll people these art critics or whoever will take the the wall that he's he's sort of scribbled on and then they'll like take out the piece and then they'll sell that in an auction, which is just I mean I feel like that takes away the entire purpose. A lot of you know Banksy's works are sort of anti-capitalist, anti-consumerist uh, in the sense. And then <laughs> they're being sold at auction for tens of millions of dollars. I mean, that's sort of hypocritical. It's sort of contradictory. So what I'm what I'm creating is sort of uh, something inspired by you know my my roots, uh, my beginnings, and my ideology put in together in a very temporary sense that sort of flares out, and people get to appreciate the art in its form without it being commercialized. I didn't want my identity to be brought up so people could commercialize me as a person and commercialize my artwork. Um, well, well, that's 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 incredibly interesting. Um, but my my follow up to that would be: Are you not already commercializing your work? Uh, what, what do you what do you mean by that? Well, this this sort of statement that you're giving, you know, I mean, I, hey, I'm not saying I agree with this, but some will say that you are participating in acts of vandalism, and it's almost a publicity stunt when you make um, your paintings, your whatever you want to call them, your art pieces, in the convenience store, or you'll put them on like... I don't know. I I think you had that ex exhibition, which was particularly scary for you. I'd imagine where you put the uh, the message against Scientology on the Scientology building when you went to Clearwater. Um, but that that's sort of a publicity stunt. So are you not just feeding the commercialization of your art to the media? Well, I I have been told that on occasion that that was sort of the int oh, that people have accused me that being my intention, but I, I would argue that I'm only doing this strictly for artistic purposes and artistic purposes alone. Um, my, my work does not serve the masses. My work serves me. And if people appreciate it, then that is, that's up to them. Um, when I go out, I'm inspired again, like I've discussed with these anatomical paintings or something that I want to say, I want to put out a statement. And this is my statement, and it's true to me, and it's what I believe. And if people don't like that, well, then <laughs> I don't know what to tell them. I mean, the art says it's not even going to exist anyway. It's it's going to be torn down. Uh, you know, is is it vandalism? <laughs> I mean, I go out of my way to use ink or you know spray paint that is quite easily washed off. There is no even my materials that I use to create these statements are entirely temporary <laughs> it's you know it's not a permanent marker it's not a sharpie i'm using or anything like that it's it's nothing of the sort it's it's not acrylic paint for god's sake it's something that could be washed off you know i'm not i'm not trying to 
sit there and make a statement on a Scientology building or convenience store for some poor chap to go over and just sort of destroy it and have to wait over it for hours and hours and hours on end. But yeah, that's 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 my that's my thoughts on that. <laughs> um, I'm I, I suppose that's fine. Uh, how, how would you say that the the city you are in, Boca Raton, um, influences your pieces? Um, well, in Boca Raton, you you meet all these people. Um, you know where I live in Florida is sort of called America's retirement home, and all these old people, and you sort of. I like to talk to all these people in their nursing homes. It's sort of this contradictory nature where, you know, you see all the Hawaiian shirts and you see this wealth displayed by some of these people. And then you talk to them and there's sort of this deep sadness to them. So I try to add the sadness, sort of the underlying rotting of their character into my pieces um, and try to make a statement on that. Uh, what, what would you say about people who criticize sort of the political nature of your works. Um, well, when I'm making a statement politically, again, this is something that is not something that has come from a lack of thought. When I, I carefully think about how this is going to be interpreted, how this may be interpreted, uh, I, I recently... <laughs> One of my most infamous events was I painted the mayor of Boca Raton. Uh, I, I painted him uh, falling down the stairs and a bunch of people coming together and clapping. And, you know, he, he was fine in the, in the painting. I mean, it's not like his dad. He just fell down the stairs and got like a bruise or something along those lines. And, you know, I mean, again, he didn't, he didn't really break any bones. It was just, he just, fell you know he's yeah he, he, to, to clarify i mean nothing 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 bad happened he just didn't the bones he, just, he, he didn't even break a bone he just had some bruises and you know you could see that There's, i mean it, it looked okay that's basically i mean this, he looked I, a lot of thought a lot of thought was put into this okay like you know he, he just had some bruises yeah <laughs> but but th that's that's what i'm making a statement about um well, you seem very uncomfortable with the statement you're making. Um, is there some external motivations to this? A lot of people have accused you of being a psyop for anti-government propaganda. No, 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 not that's not me. I would, I would never, I would never do something like that. I've, <clears throat> to clarify, this is solely for my own intention. I've, I've never, under any circumstance, received any funding. Well. We have your financial records, and we have seen that you have money transferred into a shell company's bank account under your name, John Lucas. Uh, that's, that's not my name, <laughs> John Lucas. That's not my name. I'm, I'm JL. It's 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 solely the initials. Uh, that's that's not. We have reports that you have gotten funding from the Uzbek government to create a disruption in Boca Raton. You were paid 2 million pesos for this. No, no, that's not me. It, co it couldn't be me. I, I would never spread any messages along that. We have this here. We have the documents. And guess what? This interview was nothing but a trap. 
everybody, FBI, you can come out, okay? Local police of Boca Raton, you can come out. This was a trap, sir. You thought by just putting this in some hotel location and putting a bag across your face that you could get away with your crimes of trying to create unrest in Boca Raton? You thought that the pesos were this? Is this what you really wanted? You wanted polarization for pesos? How dare you? You are un-American. You are a disgrace. No, no, please, please don't take me away. No, I did, I did it. I did it for my family. No, please, please. <clears throat> um. Anyway, I'm Mark Hallstone, and that was our interview with noted criminal, noted traitor, and espion, likely espionage, um, convictee, JL, the street artist. Thank you for tuning in to uh, Proof Interviews, and welcome back. <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> and we will see you next time. Thank you.